Welcome to Hub & Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub & Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub & Flow. I'm Letitia Gonzalez, Price & Markets Editor, and today I'm being joined by Patrick Rao, NGI's Director of Strategy and Research. Pat and I recently participated in a joint webinar with our friends over at Independent Commodity Intelligence Services, otherwise known as ICIS, where we took a pulse on winter pricing here in the United States and around the world. For those of you who missed the event, not to worry, you can find a link to the replay along with the slide deck on the same page where you found this podcast at naturalgasintel.com slash podcast. Now for today, we wanted to provide all of our listeners with kind of the cliff notes version of the webinar. Pat, thanks for joining me today again. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Wanted to get started with you and some of the big macro factors that you're seeing in the gas market. It's certainly been a wild winter here in the U.S. We've seen Henry Hub prices at some of the highest levels that we've seen in years. Even some of the day-to-day movements have been pretty surprising for a market that has really spent the last few years languishing in the 2 to $3 range. What's driving all of that volatility that we're seeing this winter? Well, you're not wrong about the volatility. In fact, just back the envelope math suggests that price volatility at the Henry Hub is currently more than three times typical levels here lately. And there have been a number of reasons for that, we think, both short and long term. Here in the shorter run, we've seen some pretty extreme weather variances. December was pretty mild in the U.S. January, though, was much colder than normal. And February has been kind of all over the place, extreme cold and then pockets of some warm here. Now, ultimately, we've had four straight withdrawals, storage withdrawals of more than 200 BCF. That's the first time that that happened since February of 2014 during the polar vortex. And yesterday, the report came in just a little under that at 190, but that's still pretty robust. We've also seen some well freeze-offs here a couple of weeks ago with cold weather down in Texas and Oklahoma, but that's certainly nothing like we saw last year during winter storm Yuri. I, mean, I think that there's also evidence that what happened during Yuri last year has been impacting decision-making this year. I mean, we've had a couple of months here this winter where the physical market was willing to pay a several-cent basis premium for Henry Hub supply during bid week. Now, laws of arbitrage really state that that shouldn't happen. And the only other time that we've seen this in recent years was, in fact, during the winter following the polar vortex. So definitely some supply concerns, I think, in the mind of physical market participants right now. Now, longer term, you know, from the volatility standpoint, we note that growing LNG exports from the U.S. are also contributing to that because it means that roughly 10 to 15 percent of daily U.S. natural gas demand is tied directly to supply demand fundamentals overseas. And those, of course, could be very different from ours here domestically. You've also got publicly traded producers who are limiting their production growth right now. And what that's done is it's taken away some virtual storage, if you will, in the form of future expected supply gains. And then really lastly, there's the impact of growing renewables and the intermittent nature of those and what that's doing right now to gas demand for power generation. It's been making that a little bit more choppy, we think. So all in all, 
you know, we'd expect the Henry Hub futures trips to build in a little bit more of a call option premium for the winter months going forward. And in fact, with winter next winter trading at a $4.75 trip, we think we're seeing quite a bit of that happening right now. Right, right. Definitely, definitely in a newer, higher price environment and looking like it's going to stay that way. So, Pat, you mentioned LNG demand, and I know we've got a couple of new facilities, export facilities coming online here in the next several months. Sabine Pass, Train 6, they've already completed commissioning. And then we've got the Calcasieu Pass Terminal that it's loading, you know, loading its first cargo. So, are we expecting to see this demand kind of continue even as we get into some of the springtime months? I know prices normally fall dur- during this time, but can we expect that added demand on the LNG front to maybe keep prices a little bit more propped up than they normally would be? Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll continue to see this demand, and certainly that's not going to hurt prices in the United States. I mean, we note that Europe still has quite a ways to go to replenish storage. And according to the U.S. to Europe and Asia arbitrage curves that we run every day in our daily LNG Insight publication, the economics to ship LNG from the U.S. to those continents remains well in the money, really at either side of $20 per MMBTU for the next 12 months. So we expect cargoes to continue to run as much as possible out of the United States. Now, the risk of that, of course, is that with LNG exports just running at a very high capacity utilization factor here in the recent quarters, that could lead to potentially some unplanned maintenance here in the short term. But short of all that, all this activity should certainly be supportive of prices. But I, I think if I could add on, I think maybe the two bigger determining swing factors, though, on what prices may do here over the next few months in the U.S. is What will industrial consumption be and what will dry gas production do over this next year? Industrial demand, you know, typically it's fairly steady eddy from one year to the next. But we think that this year is shaping up to be perhaps the second biggest increase in industrial consumption this entire century, even though Henry Hub prices have been rising. Now, why is that? Well, it's mostly because Henry Hub prices are still very cheap on a global basis. And that yields a big pet chem feedstock advantage for the United States, not to mention that the U.S. economy is expected to chug along at a pretty good clip again this year. Now, for the producers, note that the publicly traded producers, they do appear to be sticking to their mantra of capital discipline and maintenance production. But I'll note that more and more, those definitions seem to include growth of up to 5% in any given year. So there still is a potential growth element coming for this year, however slight that may be. Now, we actually rolled up expected production for 55 publicly traded U.S. gas producers, and we arrived at a 2020 growth total of about 2.6% from that sector, again, using either company guidance or Wall Street consensus for each company. Now, 2.6% certainly isn't great. It's not nothing. But if there's a potential for that number to continue to creep up closer to that 5% limit I just mentioned, that could have a noticeable impact on gas going into next winter. Now, there still are a number of key independent producers who have yet to report their 2022 plans and plan to do so over the next week. So I'd advise all to just keep reading those articles in NGI to keep tabs on their plans and what it may mean to gas prices here in the States. So, you know, that's the answer, I think, to Henry Howe, but maybe let me turn the tables and ask you a couple of questions now, Letty, is I have been referring exclusively to the Henry Hub, but the U.S., of course, is made up of lots of smaller regional markets. What kind of price volatility are you seeing in those? Yeah, definitely. We're, we're seeing quite a bit of 
of volatility in several markets, actually. You know, not surprising, the Northeast is one of those. That region is no stranger to volatility. We typically see some pretty big swings in that market during this time of year, during the winter. It is a winter peaking region. And this winter is no different. Now, we did start off warm. You mentioned that December was warm. In fact, it was the warmest on, the second warmest on record. And I think maybe this maybe gave some folks in the market a little bit of a false sense of security when it, that they thought that maybe the entire winter would be warm. But as you mentioned, you know, as soon as the new year hit, we saw the first of what would be, you know, several winter storms that kind of drove up demand in that region. So lots of snow, really cold temperatures, and very strong natural gas demand. Now, of course, this region is known for having a lack of spare pipeline capacity. So we've seen huge spikes take place. In New England, we saw prices shoot up to about $30. So that's actually more in line with some of the prices that we've seen in Europe but we're getting those prices here in the United States as well. California, that's another market that uh, we've seen a lot of volatility, not spikes to the $30 range necessarily, but we have seen some volatility. I mentioned you know, that it was warm at the start of the winter season, but that wasn't the case in California. And in fact, that state had some of those first early blasts of cold that hit the United States. Meanwhile, that region is still dealing with a lot of the supply issues that began over the summer. One of the main issues is the drought. That region has been in a significant drought for much of the last couple of years. And over the summer, we saw those dry conditions lead to really low reservoir levels that then led to curtailments or even complete shutdowns at some of the hydropower facilities there. Meanwhile, you also had a fire take place on a portion of the El Paso natural gas pipeline over in Arizona. And that portion is actually still down to this day. So all of this has kind of combined to drive up the demand for natural gas which of course has led to the higher prices. So in the Southern part of the state, we've seen spikes all the way to about $9 and just a little bit below that in the Northern part of the state at around $8. And so this, we could continue to see spikes take place as we get into the summer months. Last summer was really hot in California and the drought isn't going away. We did have quite a bit of rain in December, but then January turned dry again. So any any improvement that we saw in some of those water levels at some of the reservoirs, those have already come back down and they're really struggling to maintain, you know, adequate levels there. So the the region as as a whole, they've done a few things to try to maintain supplies and maintain the power grid. One of the things that they did recently was the California Public Utility Commission. They temporarily increased the maximum capacity at the Aliso Canyon facility. This is the storage facility that they're also considering permanently shutting down. So they boosted the capacity there, but this was only for the winter. So there's still a lot of uncertainty as to what reliability measures that the state is going to take this summer as we get some of that cooling demand. Gotcha. I mean, yeah. I mean, it almost seems like it's a rite of passage for there to be extreme price volatility in New England and California. And that certainly sounds like that's continuing today. 
Maybe one last question for you on a related note, related somewhat to California, and this really addresses one of the hottest topics in the investor community right now, and that is natural gas pipeline takeaway constraints that are emerging out of the Permian Basin. Are we at a risk of another maybe blowout in Wahoo prices at some point down the road here? Yeah, in fact, I think that's actually what the forward curves already at the Waha are telling us. So we have seen quite the recovery in the Permian Basin as far as production is concerned. We are back to those pre-pandemic levels, and that growth is set to continue. The EIA, they released their short-term energy outlook earlier this month, and they expect the Permian to contribute 2.2 BCF per day of growth here in 2022, and then another 1.2 BCF in 2023. So meanwhile, you've got oil prices that are high. They're well above $60 a barrel through at least the end of next year. So oil operators are back in the patch, which of course could drive up associated gas production. And in fact, I believe the latest numbers, rig numbers from Enverus show that Permian operators added 10 rigs just in the last week. So bringing that number back up to about 286. So definitely a lot of growth going on in the Permian and more growth ahead. However, we are starting to see and hear of some pipeline constraints coming down here shortly. As of right now, things are good, but as soon as next spring, so by next May, perhaps, we could see some of those pipelines fill. And we know what happens. We've seen what happens when those pipelines fill and you've got all these gas molecules that have no outlet. We see huge discounts. And in the past, we've seen Waha trade negative. That's not showing up on the forward curves just yet. As of right now, Waha is trading around $4 or so. By next May, though, the curve is showing Waha down to around $1.50. And as we know, it takes a while for pipelines to get built. So we've seen this happen before. This, this, We've seen the negative pricing take place before Kinder Morgan brought on their Gulf Coast Express. Now, we have added more pipelines since then. But the growth rate in the Permian shows that it's not going to be enough. And this is drawing a lot of attention from investors. In fact, it was a huge topic of discussion on energy transfers earnings call recently. And now we've heard that they are throwing their hat into the ring to build the next Permian pipeline. They haven't pulled the trigger just yet. But if they do, once they do, their management is saying that they could get the job done in just two years or less, given the route that they're looking at and the use of existing facilities. Now, Kinder Morgan is also in discussions for a potential third pipeline out of the Permian. It would be called Permian Pass. But again, these are early discussions and nothing has actually been placed into the backlog yet. So definitely a lot of activity and, you know, a lot of discussions with potential shippers taking place. I know MPLX also is considering adding some compression to the Whistler pipeline. So the de- the race is definitely getting underway to build this next big gas pipeline out of the Permian to accommodate all that volume growth that we see coming down. Yeah, and I imagine you're probably going to be writing about this a lot over the coming months in your daily columns. Definitely. Yeah. Well, cool. Those are great responses, Letty. I thank you for those. And um, fortunately, that's about all we have in terms of time for today. But if you'd like to hear more related content, you can do that by accessing the webinar that Letty and I did earlier this week in conjunction again with our friends at ICIS about global winter natural gas prices. And to access that, 
just please go to www.natgasintel.com backslash podcast, and you can look for the webinar link and presentation slides there. So on behalf of everyone at Natural Gas Intelligence, I thank you for listening today and wish you and yours all the best. Until then, take care. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or bid-week pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.